And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich. And on the Skype line is Peter Hammond. Peter serves as missionary at Frontline Fellowship. He's pioneered missionary outreaches, including into the war zones of Mozambique, Angola, and Sudan. Peter, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much, Dan. Great to be back with you. You know, Peter, I've been reading a little bit about what you've done in the past, uh, riding off-road via motorbike, um, going hundreds of thousands of kilometers to deliver Bibles to persecuted Christians in Africa, Eastern Europe. Um, you have been ambushed, <laughs> come under aerial and artillery bombardments. Uh, you've been stabbed, shot at, beaten by mobs, and uh, imprisoned. Um, Peter, so that certainly requires a great physical endurance and training, but um, we're also interested in uh, the enemy of our souls, we're told, goes about as a roaring lion seeking to devour us. So we're interested today as well regarding this spiritual stamina. I'm wondering if you could get us started and talk about that a little bit. Yes, I've been thinking about spiritual stamina a lot lately and seeing it over and over in the scriptures. It's clear that as Christians, we're called to be long-distance marathon runners, not just short-distance sprinters. I think many people, we see many Christians coming in and they and they are like a flash in a pan. They, they have a short burst of energy and then they drift off to the wayside. And you wonder, what happened to this person and that? And why is it that there's so few who are going the long haul, the, the full distance? And if, you, if we've read Pilgrim's Progress, which Charles Spurgeon said is one of the most important books he ever read, he said he read Pilgrim's Progress 100 times in his life. Mm. And Pilgrim's Progress got such a magnificent um, parable there of the Christian walk, which is, it's a walk, and it's often a hard slog uphill against enemies, and and often we're tired, and often we want to give up. And And what we need is, like any successful athlete, we need training. We need discipline, motivation, focus, persistence, perseverance. Most of all, what athletes need to build up is their stamina. And, you know, the first time, if you're unfit and you haven't done exercise for a long time, if you go out, you might have trouble running around the block and you're out of breath and exhausted. But if you keep doing it every day, you find it gets easier and you can go further and you can go longer and you're not as out of breath. And what's happened? Well, you've built up stamina. If we think about the first time, it was so hard to learn that first scripture memory verse or it was hard to give a one-minute testimony the first time. Uh, but then we were able to give full-on sermons, lectures, run seminars. What changed? Well, practice. Every single athlete needs to build up their muscles, build up their aerobic fitness, develop their strength, and develop their stamina for endurance. And in, so, in the same way, we as Christians need to stretch our faith, stretch our devotion, stretch our obedience and our skills, and for example, we've just finished a three-week Great Commission course, which we begin every year with, and we have people come from all over the world, as far field as from Europe and the States and around Africa, and we stretch minds and muscles, we say. So we get people out of their comfort zones. We start early in the morning with PT, obstacle courses. We have devotions, hymns, lectures throughout the mornings. Every afternoon, lots of practicals, lots of outreaches, obstacle courses, team building, obstacle crossing um, things in order to get folks to see that every obstacle is only there to be overcome. And so it's everything from 
building rafts and climbing mountains and uh, <laughs> all of all of this is uh, we just uh, we did eight mountain climbs in in the the last three weeks um, and uh, fifteen uh, sixteen PT sessions, lots of outreaches, and it's it all takes time from six in the morning till midnight almost every day. Sometimes till one or two in the morning actually, and uh, sometimes later. <laughs> and to sustain this takes stamina. And what we try and do is show people this is missions. It's you've got to keep going when you want to stop. You need to persevere when you want to turn back. Never give up. Never give in. In the army, we were continually reminded winners never quit. Quitters never win. Strive for victory. Never give up. Never give in. The army disciplined us. We were forced to do without food, without sleep. Uh, we had to persevere in spite of obstacles, discouragements. In fact, Selection courses in the Army, and I, I believe also in many athletic sports teams, which some of our children have gone through, that selection is always aimed at weeding out those who are physically, emotionally, or mentally weak. And in the military, they would actually be quite cruel. They'd deliberately discourage you and they'd tempt candidates to give up to see who had what it took to, to uh, make the grade for the unit. And so they would be, for example, as you'd be on your long-distance, cross-country, compass work, and so on, you'd get to a checkpoint, and they'd be there with a barbecue cookout, uh, what we call a bright place, you know, sizzling steaks, uh, there's uh, cool drinks and ice, and you can have all this if you just give up, hand in your <laughs> ticket now, and you're, you're off the course, but, you know, uh, or you can just keep persevering. And, of course, those people who want to be like Esau and sell their inheritance for a mess of pottage, well, they will be the ones who will take that temptation. But those who really are thinking long-term and thinking, I must defer gratification because I'm I'm aiming for the prize. I'm aiming to win. I want to be accepted and selected into this unit. Uh, well, we just have to <laughs> ignore our senses and say no to our instincts and push on. And this is what we're told in the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians 9, we read, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, self-controlled in all things. Now, they do it to receive a perishable crown. You think of this crown of leaves or whatever that they put around their heads. That, that crown's going to perish. But we are doing this for an imperishable crown, an eternal crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight. Not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now, here is the terminology of spiritual stamina. He's saying we are not in a short-distance sprint. We're in a long-distance marathon. This is, this is a lifetime adventure of discipleship. And we remind again, if anyone competes in athletics, he must compete according to the rules. It's not enough to say, well, I've crossed the finish line. Well, if you took a shortcut, if you took drugs, if you broke any of the rules, you're out. It, it means nothing. And so we've got to compete according to the rules. And our Lord made it clear, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So I see so much in the scripture about you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And so this is what we need to do. We need to build in our Christian lives and our discipleship lives. And in those people we are discipling and mentoring spiritual stamina, perseverance, and endurance. Peter, um, what about people who um, 
tend to get discouraged easily. Um, they may not have had really good training growing up, perhaps, in their family. Any encouragement for them? How do they um, regain focus? How do they keep going? Any 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 uh, pointers there? Oh, yes, indeed. No, definitely. There's many of us who... Uh, who are successes in the mission field, who came from very dysfunctional families. I mean, you just think of somebody like Mary Slessor. Mary Slessor was brought up in an even more poverty-stricken environment than even David Livingston, but at least David Livingston had loving parents. Mary Slessor had an alcoholic of a father who was abusive to her mother. She had to go out working early. Uh, she was only 12 years old, and she's already working for the family uh, they lived in a single-room apartment. She was in a dysfunctional family in a very weak environment, but Mary Slessor persevered. She saved uh, twins who were being destined for destruction in, in Nigeria. She fought the witch doctor. She ended slavery. She did so many things in, in Calabar, Nigeria. So we can see that even people who come from a dysfunctional background, like Henry Morton Stanley, who was even more poverty-stricken than Mary Slessor, she at least had a mother. Henry Morton Stanley didn't even have a mother. Uh, she even abandoned him. And yet, despite abuse in the workhouse and the poorhouse and everything else, he persevered. He learned discipline. He learned perseverance. And it shows that, yes, we may have started with disadvantages, but by God's grace, we can overcome them. And in the scripture, we get these wonderful examples. Uh, for example, in Hebrews 11, which gives us the hall of faith, of these tremendous examples of excellence. And then we read this great word that, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And remember this great cloud of witnesses. You can think of the grandstands are surrounding us like an, an Olympic seen in, in, in one of these great stadiums. And there you see the patriarchs, you see the prophets, you see the apostles and the reformers and the missionaries and heroes of the faith of the ages. And they, they're shouting encouragement. You can just imagine when we, when we fall and stumble, encouraging us to get back up and get into the race. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't turn back. And that when we have victories, you can imagine the heroes of the ages cheering us on. So, we're meant to be encouraged by this generation that has gone before us. And we shouldn't be like the fatherless generation, the faithless generation, who who didn't believe the testimony, the good report of Joshua and Caleb, who were condemned to wander in the wilderness. But we need to be like the Joshua generation, who went in and possessed the land and conquered and overcame in faith and obedience, so that we can say at the end, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I've kept the faith. And that's the goal. I, I think what's so important for those who who may have had a disadvantaged background, may have uh, had a dysfunctional family or broken home, to realize that, yes, we can be adopted into God's family. And then we get mothers and fathers in the faith, and we should seek a mentor. We should seek to be in submission to the authority around us, because if you're not under authority, you, you have no authority. And we read in the Bible, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. So we need commitment and accountability and community in the fellowship that God has called us to. Obey those who rule over you. Be submissive. For the watch of your souls is those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy, not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. 
So I think one of the key things is if you want to be successful in sports, you need a good coach. If you want to be successful in ministry, we need a good mentor. We need to find someone who's been successful in discipleship, who's got a track record, who's older and wiser and more experienced than us, that we can turn to and and seek counsel and advice. Yes, you know, uh, I was just talking with my wife uh, this morning, in fact, about different radio programs, and sometimes there's a family program or whatever, and they, they bring in like a, like a really young person, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, they don't even have enough years yet to depart sufficient wisdom to the hearers. And I, I like your your suggestion here, and it's very biblical, that the older, the wiser, the more mature, spiritually mature, are, are teaching the younger. And I'm just wondering also, have you found that some people don't want to take input from others they they don't they don't really have a willingness to learn maybe a um they don't want to be accountable or something oh it's the curse of our age we have egalitarianism and we have antinomianism we've got people who want to think that everyone is equal except they some i think they're more equal than others they don't respect age and experience and position and yet that's one of god's commands that Mm. we Honor our father and our mother, and that includes our spiritual fathers and mothers. It includes our, uh, th- those that God has put over us in our church or our workplace or our mission. And uh, the amount of lone rangers and rambos out there who are just uh, a walking disaster area because they refuse to be team players. They, they're pulling this way and that. They're not interdependent and being a team player, being sacrificial and serving others. Because that's how we learn. We learn as part of a team. And when we're part of a team, we're stronger. And I, I, I see this many ways. For example, in Africa, we've got many good soccer players here. Uh, our, our soccer players in Africa are often very good. But we've never won a World Cup soccer. There's no African soccer team that's won. We might have great players, but we don't have great teams. And then you look at the German team that won the last, uh, the last um, World Cup. They might not have had the best players, but they had the best team. They worked together. They passed. But what do we find in Africa? We find people who want to score the goal themselves, and they take the ball and they lose it somewhere along the line. If they worked as a team, they could go through the opposition uh, like the German blitzkrieg went through the Brazilians and everyone else. If we if we can just get this teamwork right, but so often we have people thinking they they listen to this gospel of Hollywood, follow your heart and you know, follow your dreams and you can do it. And you're a champion. You're the best, the very best. What a lot of nonsense. And when we hear that from Hollywood, we, we just cringe because, no, we're not the best. We're not the very best at all. And we need to have a more humble view of ourselves. We need to think better of others. And as a team, we can be effective. But if we all want to be stars, well, of course, we'll be failures. Yeah, I enjoy your uh, analogy here between the physical and the spiritual. And I really... Mm. I think that they really uh, interact. They really there's a dynamic between the two. It's hard to separate almost at times. Now, Mark Diedrich here, um, you like to do mountain climbing and that sort of thing. Do you ever feel like giving up when you're on one of your uh, hikes? <laughs> I I used to lead a group of students that were going to go to uh, the hostels in Europe and evangelize, and they would come to a retreat center that I ran, and and it was very similar to what. Uh, uh, some of the things that you were saying, I was told by the leader the first day, wear these kids out, <laughs> make them break, you know. And I remember the first time I went hiking up uh, Scunny Monk Mountain. And it wasn't a huge high mountain, but it had a very good steep pitch in it. And so I'm pushing these kids, and I get there, I get at the base of the mountain, and I'm thinking, 
man, I'm already tired. How can I, how can I break <laughs> these kids? Well, it's, it's one step at a time. And that's what you do. You, you just don't quit. And I just kept going, kept going. By the time I had these kids where we were going to camp out overnight, they wanted to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I had succeeded in doing, you know, I yeah. harassed them and, and kept them together. And, and But it is. It's, it's to test your kids' stamina. You've got to keep going one step at a time. And that's... Uh, that's really key in doing uh, mm-hmm. anything like that, and coming back to God's word. My goodness, you know. I, sometimes the first thing I ask a person who who seems to be falling away, well, how's your devotional life? You, mm-hmm. You've been in God's word, and very often you find no. Well, I just well, hey, you know, this is the place to start. This is the place mm-hmm. to to start building yourself up again. And Peter, as you work with people, you probably find those who drop out physically can't quite take it. But we certainly don't want to see people dropping out spiritually. Uh, What about those who have fallen? Uh, What would you say to them today to encourage them to return to the Lord and, and seek Him? Attitude is everything. Nobody blames somebody who struggles, who tries their best and who fails. But then you see people, often very big, strong healthy individuals giving up. And then you see some body who's got everything against them. You know, perhaps the skinniest, smallest kid there, and he's persevering. He finishes well. It's like the tortoise and the hare. Sometimes the tortoise beats the hare because the hare knows they're so fast, and they they go backwards mm-hmm. and forwards, and they stop for a rest, whereas the tortoise can keep plodding on. It's not about physical fitness or talents and abilities. It's all about good attitude and a spirit of perseverance. So yes, uh, when you asked earlier, uh, when you're starting mountain climbs, do you ever feel like giving up? Well, I would think that temptation's always there. You know, when it gets really hot and very steep and your backpack feels really heavy and sometimes you really want to give up, turn back and go back and you think, you know, whose idea was this anyway? And, (laughs) And yet, what it's at times like that that we've just got a knuckle under, put our physical body under dominion and let our will take over and say, I will carry on. I'm not going to give up. Amen. As, as was said, one step more, just one step yeah. at a time. And that's how we often do it. You know, sometimes, okay, I'm going for that tree or I'm going for that rise or I'm going for till the next break or the next shade or whatever it is. But you, you have measurable goals and you keep going and, and you make sure you don't stop for too long. Uh, you have your water break and you, you keep going. But the thing is, it's perseverance and we can do it. We can go deeper, wider, further, and we can press on. We can accomplish far more than we ever imagined. And at the end of our courses, we get so many people saying to us, I never thought I could do so much in one day. I never thought I could keep going with so little sleep. I never thought that I could learn so much, accomplish so much, do so much outreach. And there's so many things where we stretch people and they say, now realize you can do more than you ever guessed that you could. And I think it's just so important. We, we're often too soft on ourselves. We, we need to have this do hard things. That, that's a great title of that book, to, to yeah. attempt greater things. Oh, yeah. Um, what about, we got maybe uh, six minutes left. What about any examples that come to your mind, uh, Peter? Uh, by the way, we're talking with Peter Hammond today, uh, missionary at Frontline Fellowship. Peter, any examples that come to mind of... Um, you know, encouragements for us that we can look at historically that are are just good examples and would help us uh, better understand what this looks like, how it's fleshed out. 
Yes, well, uh, in the scripture we read of failures who deserted the faith like Esau, Judas, and Demas. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. So uh, we must be those who endure. In the scripture we read in James 5, you've heard of the perseverance of Job. And see the end intended by the Lord. The Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And the Lord desires that we show the same diligence, the full assurance of hope until the end, so that we do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So we have some great examples in the scripture of those who persevered and became victors. They overcame Noah and Abraham and Joseph and David and Daniel, Peter and Paul and Polycarp and Perpetua, Martin Luther, William Carey, David Livingston. So we've, we've got these examples. And one thing that, that's always been a challenge to me is that as the cost of discipleship increases, the numbers decrease. And this should not surprise us because at the first church picnic, at the sermon on the, uh, where the Lord multiplied the loaves and fishes, mm-hmm. there were about 5,000 came for the free food. But at the first church sermon, the sermon amount, there were perhaps a few hundred. At the Pentecost prayer meeting, when the Lord commanded them to pray day and night until power from above came down upon them, there were 120 mm. who gathered in the upper room. When it came to the first midweek outreach, door-to-door street evangelism, there were 70 who went out two by two to evangelize in the highways and byways. When it came to daily discipleship, there were 12 men and about four women who followed the Lord everywhere. And of those 12 men, one betrayed Christ, one denied him, one doubted him, and they all forsook him. And only John came back and went all the way to the cross and stood with the woman disciples beneath the cross, identifying with the sufferings of Christ when he was dying a disgraceful criminal's death. And there was every chance of John being arrested and crucified as Jesus was. So as the cost of discipleship increases, the numbers decrease. And the challenge must be, it's easy to be with the multitude in the streets shouting Hosanna, Hosanna, when the Lord comes in triumph riding on a donkey and we waving palm fronds. Well, that's easy. But how many of the people who are shouting hail him one week were shouting nail him at the end of the week? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. And how many went all the way to the cross and to the tomb and to the Mount of Ascension? How far, and to Pentecost, and into the uttermost parts of how far have you gone for Christ? And so I think this is that we need to free ourselves from the short-term, self-centered, instant, disposable, materialistic, throwaway culture. This mentality is no good. God has called us to long-distance mountain marathons. We need spiritual stamina. We need to stretch our minds and our muscles. We need to deepen our faith, widen our vision, press forward towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Uh, Peter, uh, we've got maybe a minute or two left. Um, when you, you were imprisoned, um, it must have been very discouraging for certain hours, certain days of your life, almost feeling like there was no hope. Um, how did you feel during that time? I immediately remembered what Richard Vaughan had written in Torture for Christ, that an ounce of experience is worth more than a ton of theory, and At that point, I realized the most powerful thing I've got is the scriptures memorized and the presence of God and practicing the presence of God, being aware of the presence of God, quoting the Psalms, singing the hymns, uh, rejoicing, singing in the cells. I must say uh, what was the most daunting and terrifying because I was terrified. I I was absolutely overwhelmed. I had never anticipated that I could be captured. I I, I considered dying for Christ, but, but not being 
imprisoned and tortured by communists. And so mm -hmm. when I ended up in prison, this happened more than once, uh, I was at first absolutely stunned into paralysis of, of fear. But the Lord just flooded me with such grace and power and joy at that time when I gave it to him. So, yes, I, I would not want to have been without those experiences now, looking back in hindsight, how the Lord took what I feared the most and he turned it into great victories. Tremendous victory, so much so that in Zambia, for example, where I was once imprisoned, we now are VIPs and guests of the president. And it once was a communist country. Now it's, it's a Christian country officially. Mm. And we get some mm. of our best ministry opportunities in a place where I was once dragged in chains through the streets. It's beautiful. Uh, today we've been talking with Dr. Peter Hammond. And Peter, if people want to learn more uh, about your ministry, about Frontline Fellowship, and possibly future training sessions and seminars how, where would they go to learn more yes at frontline.org.za so you can look on the website www.frontline f-r-o-n-t-l-i-n-e frontline.org.za South Africa and we're on social media if you look for Frontline Fellowship on social media you'll find us there as well and uh, we've got quite a lot of our materials on sermon audio and on the uh, slide share uh, and videos on some of the Persky Church at frontline.org.za, and you can get in touch with us by writing mission at frontline.org.za. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you very much. And, uh, Peter, uh, we trust that the Lord blesses you, and, and thank you very, very much for taking time from your precious schedule and sharing with our listeners today. It's a great privilege. Thank you so much for the opportunity, and may God bless Redeemer Broadcasting. <laughs> for Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Today we've had in the studio with us Mark Diedrich, and uh, a copy of this uh, episode is up on our website. Please check that out. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 